Clay, here we are a decade plus later to talk about mm. our final episode of something pretty. We are going to be talking about Deadwood, the colon, the movie. Originally, <laughs> it was going to be uh, titled Deadwood, colon, statehood, but they went with mm. Deadwood, the movie. I think statehood is actually a more interesting title than the movie anyway, but... I don't know. How are you? Welcome back. We've, we took a little bit of a break. We did some Patreon coverage. We covered Hitman, which Timothy Oliphant did after the cancellation of Deadwood, the series. Then we did the pilot for John from Cincinnati, Milch's first project after Deadwood ended. And then we did Luck, which was the Milch and Mann collaboration from 2012, I think. So now we're here. We're here to do the movie as our final bit of content for the Something Pretty podcast. How are you? I'm good. We're finally back. And there's definitely nothing different about me. Um, I definitely have not had any dental work done since then. Um, <laughs> this is I'm, cold I'm recovery. This is this is post COVID cold recovery voice. That's all that I'm hearing. I don't hear any. I don't hear any veneers. <laughs> yeah, no, no veneers or nothing. Nothing like that. It's just this way I've always sounded. Is, um, um, it's actually it wasn't as bad as I was expecting. It no. came through a couple places. Not as bad as John Wick Four. <laughs> Dude, um. Maybe we'll get into, but at this the the movie, if if anything, has shown me the absolute devastation that thirteen years can have dude, on bodies. <laughs> dude, I was, I cannot tell you how unprepared I was for this. I, I've never experienced like I, I don't know. Maybe it's because like the cast of this show. A lot of them were on the older end to begin with. Or yeah, they, they were on the end of their middle age, I think, at the start. But of like, the, but like, I turn on the reboot of Frasier, and I don't see Kelsey Graham and go, "Oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ!" Yeah, I, well, yeah, I wonder. If I I was shocked at how old everybody looked. I mean, I yeah, I'm yeah. assuming yeah. they they were bumping it up in places a little bit, but like. I don't think I, they I were, guess I didn't realize I how old going, Dayton Callie was when yeah, he was in, originally yeah. in Deadwood because he looked ancient in this. He does. I I think that they um. My take was that they just weren't disguising that people were old in the way that maybe the Frasier reboot will. You know, sure. It's like they're, yeah. they're not trying to make them look younger because that kind of goes against what they're all talking about. But it was, it was surprising. I was I was also just wondering what I had said. If it's like you just caught everybody on the the sort of peak where the descent is very noticeable. It's not like you're going from 20 yeah. to 35 or anything like that. You're, you're dropping off the, the cliff on the other side. I will say, however, Gerald McRaney looks fantastic. Yeah. He, did. <laughs> he, he looks looked like he ever. had an age today. Yeah. yeah he, he, I mean, <laughs> he kind of settled into that look, I guess mm -hmm. that like that late middle-aged look 15 years ago and realized, you know, if you just maintain this, you look the same until you oh, die. I'd say he looks better. In the flashbacks, he looks uh, heavier than he does now. He looks like he's oh, in better sure. shape. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say, yeah. He, I'd say he popped on the treadmill and got some cardio in in the intervening 13 years or whatever. So this is Deadwood, the movie. We will hopefully get to a deeper analysis of the movie than just, oh, boy, everybody's <laughs> fucking old. But this is it. This is the final thing for the Something it was, podcast. It was similar to the, well... I, the, the best analog that I can draw is probably Twin Peaks, The Return, mm -hmm. because it had been 25 years since Twin Peaks went off the air. and But even there, I don't, I don't feel like there was as uniformly a, a, such an age thing yeah. as there was in this. <laughs> like there was a couple in that show where it's like, you know, the log lady was dying in real life mm -hmm. and uh, a couple of those, but... Generally, everybody looked kind of fine. 
Yeah. Um, what's her name? Cheryl Lee didn't look like she was 19 anymore, yep. clearly. But yep. <laughs> everybody looked all right. <clears throat> but in this, man, I, I, and I'm not saying this as like, I don't think they looked bad or no, anything. No, it's just, no. I was, I was shocked. Yeah. Deadwood, the oldening is the name yeah. of this movie. So let's, for the very final time, take a break. We'll play the music. We're going to come back and we're going to break down the very final piece of the Deadwood uh, cultural event. It's Deadwood the movie. (laughs) You're listening to a podcast that is a lie agreed upon. Join Wes and Clay as they discuss HBO's Deadwood and tell you something pretty. All right, this is it. Deadwood, the movie. It came out in 2019. Directed by Daniel Minahan. Written by David Milch. All the stars you know and, uh, and, and love have returned slightly older. Well, except for one notable one. Except for but. one. Yeah, we won't, we won't talk about that. Maybe we will. I think we will. In this one, as the residents of Deadwood gather to commemorate Dakota's statehood in 1889, saloon owner Al Swearingen and Marshal Seth Bullock clash with Senator George Hurst. I don't have a little blurb that's longer to uh, read about the the movie than that, but this is it. It's Deadwood. Clay, do you have any... Well, let's let's start with... I'll I'll get the boring stuff out of the way first, and then I'll ask Mm. you about your history. So indulge me for a second as I go through all this stuff. I had to do all the research. So I know I'd said in one of the podcasts I would talk about how the series wrapped up, and I'll try to do that kind of succinctly here. So at the end of the third season, uh, Deadwood had been planned to go for five seasons at that point. And the main driver behind this is that I talked about this a little at the start of the show, is that Milch had a deal with Paramount because he had worked for CBS on his network shows. Hmm. And HBO wanted to do Deadwood with him. But the the, the, the the simple bit of it is that the Paramount deal meant that anything that, Par- that Milch created during this contract period was partially owned by Paramount. And so HBO doesn't fully own Deadwood, the series. That shit is so weird. Yeah, and so... I guess, you know, companies are, are willing to let you go make shows for other people as long as they get paid for it because sure, you're under sure. their rights of it. So the, the the financial game plan was that HBO was willing to do this and to eat the somewhat absorbent, uh, exorbitant cost of Deadwood because it was a pretty expensive show to produce. Knowing that if they got five series out of it, the last two series would be enough to repay what they had invested in the first three seasons when HBO was not making any money off of it. Mm. And so once the third season ended, Milch started giving interviews and he had gotten his his um, his deal to do John from Cincinnati with HBO, which HBO would own entirely at that point because it's outside the parameters of the Paramount deal. But Milch started giving interviews saying that he planned only instead of five seasons to do four seasons for Deadwood. So there was a lot of behind the scenes sort of hand-wringing about this where HBO was sort of recognizing that Deadwood was not going to eventually make them any kind of money back on it. They were going to lose money through the course of the deal. Mm. And there started to be a little bit of friction about, well, if we're going to lose money, we're just going to have to wrap this up fairly quickly because we're, we're not going to sink any more money into this if you're not interested in doing it. We're not going to let you run show run both shows at the same time. So let's figure out a way to get around this. And as the third season wrapped up, 
eventually Milch had this sort of uh, conversation that they talk about in the phone where he's talking to Chris Albrecht, who's sort of the executive for the HBO side, the, the business side. And he was in a meeting with um, Dane Kelly, and Kelly overheard Milch taking a phone call. Uh, and it said it was punctuated by David's mm-hmms and no's, and it ended with David saying, okay, fuck it, why don't we do none? And this is what Kelly says. When he hung up on Chris Albrecht, I said, what the fuck was that? And then he said, they wanted to tell me, they told me to do eight fucking episodes. I told them to fuck off. I said, I know you told them to fuck off, but why don't we do the fucking eight and then fucking say <laughs> we need fucking four more? Why the fuck do we got to quit like this? And he said, no, 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 I don't like it. So what seems to have happened basically is that they started to have this disagreement about the number of episodes to do in the fourth season. And it's a whole bunch of he said, she said in the Deadwood Bible. But my ultimate take is that HBO and Milch both got to a point where they couldn't feel that they could reconcile anymore. Like so that mm. they HBO had lowballed him with a low offer of episodes. Milch got a little bit offended, but he was also sort of over Deadwood at this point and sure. kind yeah. of felt like he, this would be his way out. So he told them to fuck off. They never really reconciled it. And then Milch started talking to what seems in good in like good terms or like a, a sort of good thing to do is he started warning the production team and the actors that the season probably wasn't going to happen because he wanted them to get other work. And HBO at that point said, well, we can't go back now because everyone's bailing on the series. And really Deadwood just kind of died with a whimper because no one wanted to reconcile after this big brouhaha blow up between them about the number of episodes. And it seemed like HBO wasn't interested because of the finance side and Milch wasn't interested because he was kind of burnt out from the show mm. at that point and wanted to do something else. So part of it was he was telling the cast that it probably wasn't going to happen. And so they were getting other work. And so that told HBO that they weren't interested. It told HBO that <clears throat> it, it's too much work to put this back together at this sure. point because yeah, it, you're not going to get you're not going to get what you get. And ultimately, the final point on it is that Milch and HBO had a sort of damage control meeting where the series was already kind of dead. But at this damage control meeting, they decided that in 2007, which was like a year or two later, they were going to have two two-hour Deadwood movies that would wrap up the series. So instead of a fourth mm. season, they were going to do two movies. Uh, a lot of the producers in the Deadwood Bible said that this seems kind of just kind of bullshit that HBO was saying and that Milch was saying because the cost of two movies... Uh, would probably be more than even they shortened fourth season because you have to break down the sets and rehire everybody and do all sure, that stuff. Yeah. So they don't know how realistic that is, but that's the way that it kind of went out was an expectation that Deadwood would get movies out of it. Two of them never happened. Smash got to 13, 14 years later, and we get our movie, the Deadwood movie, finally, after everything yeah. had come back together. But that's that's about it. So thank you for indulging me. But that's the the background on how the show ended. And why the movie took so long to come out and everything like that. Do you know how the movie generated? Was it like a new uh, regime over there that was interested? Or was it just like enough time had passed and they were like, let's let's do this? Enough time had passed and David Milch was at the end of his career at this point. Ah. And it was kind of an agreement that this was the last hurrah. I think Milch views the show in hindsight as his masterpiece. Um, and he he felt an urge to at least wrap it up the way that he wanted to or the way that he would attempt to wrap things up. Um, was which, this the last thing that he did? Like, I mean, yes. I know he's still alive, but obviously he's not. This is his last shape. produced credits. And so yeah. the other thing that's going into the last bit of history is that um, David Milch's Alzheimer's has started to 
symptomize itself at this point. Yeah. Um, the, the movie is only credited with Milch as a writer, but the Deadwood Bible goes into a lot of detail about how it was written as a committee with a lot of season three Deadwood writers coming back to work on it with yeah. him. Um, his mind was not at a point where he could write scenes on the fly anymore while the movie was being produced. Uh, he was described as being very subdued and quiet during the production of it. Um, this, the last thing I'll read from the Deadwood Bible is that this David Milch was not the same David Milch who could write up new scenes on the spot and explain them via parables or references to literature. By contrast, he was quiet, subdued, and dependent on the writers, Rita and Corrado and Minahan, and others to interpret his wishes. Cal- uh, Dayton Kelly thought Milch shouldn't have been there at all. He told others that he believed HBO had taken advantage of his friend's deteriorating mental state. Sometimes their conversations on the film set resembled an Abbott and Costello routine, said Callie. I'd do a scene and go over to him, sit next to him on my director's chair, and I'd say, how was that? He'd go, what? I'd say, the scene. He said, what fucking scene? I said, the scene I just fucking did. He said, which one? I mean, this is after he's sitting in the chair watching me do the scene. It felt very fucked up. Dayton Kelly didn't like the script either and often, often thought it read like Mil- David trying... It read like David plus people trying to sound like David. It wasn't yeah. David's writing, he said. Anybody who tells you different is full of shit. I really like <clears throat> a that Dayton Kelly seems to just be Charlie Utter. Yeah, in he real is life. Charlie Utter. <laughs> and B, he sounds like a fantastic guy. Like yeah, he sounds yeah. like a guy who's just like gonna is down the middle all the time and is like going to tells you the truth. He's a, he's the truth. Yeah, he's a he truth tells you the truth. Yeah. It sounds he seems like the kind of guy where if he's your friend, he's gonna go to bat for you forever yeah yeah he is charlie utter really <laughs> that's basically what he is yeah so i mean that's all the background i wanted to give about it and i'll go into um just our, our opinions on it uh if you do, do you you have no history with the deadwood movie right correct yeah. i knew it happened but that was it I, did, I, I didn't watch it when it came out um specifically because i hadn't see, finished the show yeah and so <clears throat> I didn't know when I was going to get around to that, so I didn't watch the movie. I watched it when it came out. Uh, it was an HBO release, obviously. It was an HBO film production. Uh, we had watched the series a couple times to that point. Um, I had never thought that the movie was going to happen. I was I had been familiar with the series enough to know, like, to recognize how sort of bizarre it was that they actually produced the movie at that point. Yeah. Me and Amy watched it. I'd only seen it once prior to this rewatch, and my memory of watching it the first time was... That was okay, but I don't think it needed to happen, really. Mm, um, and, interesting. And yeah. so me and Amy both didn't like it enough to ever rewatch it. Uh, this was my second watch of the movie of all time. But it's something that I remember not thinking was actively bad, but that I, I just didn't – I would never really consider it part of the franchise. Like it's not important enough where I would say you have to watch the movie after you watch the series or anything like that. Um before I throw it to you, I'll just give you the critic ratings here. On Rotten Tomatoes, it's at 80, 98% on the tomatometer. It says, A triumphant Damn. coda to a beloved series, Deadwood the movie, will satisfy fans longing for a little fucking closure. On IMDb, <laughs> it's at 7.4 out of 10. And on Metacritic, it's at 86 out of 100, which means universal acclaim. Yeah. So I've talked a lot, and I've probably exposed my hand about what I think about Deadwood the movie, although uh, maybe things have changed a little bit on the rewatch. What did you think of Deadwood the movie? Say, Bullock, a fella not many hours left to order his affairs. Applied them that remained, naming such purposes that he'd give primacy. Tell me in the dome, Al. I'd not be fucked. 
halfway up. Who stopped by wanted to bury the hatchet? Pool revenue and influence in exchange for Trixie's life. Planning to run telephone wires across others' property. Lumber lies at his claim. Him conveying that to you, you said fucking what? I let the office sit. To what fucking end? You ever think Bullock of not going straight at a thing? No. Uh, I actually really liked it. Um, I I noticed I noticed the writing thing pretty much right away. Um, it, it, there was something about the dialogue that it it felt more um, more put on than than natural. Like the show, the way that they speak sounds very natural. Yeah. And there was a lot of the dialogue right up front that felt a lot more put on. Like honestly, specifically, the opening shot with Jane. Where she delivers like a like a soliloquy in a way that felt very theatrical and not the way that they usually do it on the show. Yeah, yeah. When she's um, on the horseback looking at down. Yes. At the town, yeah. yeah, and there was a couple other bits where I felt like the the language they were using was was more um, Hollywood Western than David Milch. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, as far as the story that they were telling, I actually really liked it. Um, I was surprised more hadn't changed. I mean, a lot has changed, but I was surprised more hadn't changed. And, um, I, 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 the one thing I was on the fence about, <clears throat> cause I liked where they kind of sent everybody it, um, is I I liked what they were doing with Al from like a 10,000 foot view, yep. but I couldn't decide if it was a bit of a, um, in, if it wasn't in character for the kind of guy that he was in the show. Because what I what I liked about it was one of the, the larger images that they give you is that, you know, the everybody looks different except Al. Al wears the same shit. He's <laughs> yeah. doing the same stuff. So clearly everybody's moving on except him. And, you know, he's dying because yeah. the, the the Deadwood that he knew, the world that he knew is dying and Al can't change. I I wasn't sure. Like for, for the story that they're telling here, I really like that analogy um, or that 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 image and metaphor or whatever, whatever you want to call it. Yep. But I... I always saw Al as someone with a much further view than a lot of other people. Like that was the whole thing that we talked about with him and Tolliver was that Tolliver was very, like couldn't see down the road, but Al could. Right. And I didn't feel like. Tolliver has short term interests. Uh, Al sees the, the long con or the long game. Yeah. Yeah. And Al being the one who was just stuck basically back in the series um i wasn't sure if i if i if i was jiving with with that um treatment of him but this again the story that they told in the movie i thought was really good and i like the way that it ended and i like the i really i really like the final shot of <clears throat> trixie out on the, out on his balcony wearing his coat taking over the gym saloon i, I like that a lot yeah um yeah overall i thought it was good i found it oddly uh like emotionally affecting 
Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, because yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I, I think, I think these characters on the show are just, just so well defined and so well rounded and so acted that it, it's the rare reunion type show where I actually do kind of care about where these people are and who makes it out alive and stuff. Like I was, I was devastated when they killed Charlie. Like that was, <laughs> that was. That was just cruel. It is, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, I don't know. It's like I, it's they did such a good job of making this these characters in the show, like, um, like real life people that you end up caring about. Yeah, that it, seeing them actually down the road, actually, I thought was 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 rather affecting. Yeah, my big my big takeaway from the rewatch is that I I still think this is kind of a C plus of a of a finale for me if you want to consider it a finale i um i like it more as an an idea than i like ex- its execution i think mm-hmm. like lo- basically the big thing i have with it is that i don't find it particularly interesting to watch it, it's which is kind of like i not that it's not that it doesn't have anything to say but i don't feel that there's a lot um, of moment to moment kind of like uh, excitement that it generates in me or like interest in what's going on. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of that just like, I, I have to go back to the the Milch writing. To me, it's something I noticed the first time we watched it is that this this the writing here feels different than it does on yeah. the show. It's really yeah. noticeable. I, I would say it as um, the big thing to me is that I cannot, I don't think there's a single requotable line in this movie, which is odd. Like the the episodes have, you know, I wouldn't pick a. I can't think of a single quote in this movie that I would put as the tagline for what I'm going to put on the podcast episode. I've you know? I've got one because it's it's the way that I want to respond to anyone who asks me how someone else is, mm-hmm. and where I say, uh, you know, collecting her portion of gloom and dismay just like the rest of us. <laughs> <laughs> I generally. I generally find it to be an unquotable version, which I think ties into how the Milch's writing had changed and how the group uh, the group writing session that sort of churned out the movie was. And I also just think that it's a it's a case of to me what makes the dial like to me a big distinction between the movie and the show comes down to the writing in that I find that the movie's writing is much more straight ahead and I can easily yes. grok everything that's happening in this movie. There's there's yeah. no moment where a characters two characters have a conversation and I go, what the fuck are they talking about? And right. That was kind of like a big charm of the show for me. And here, the writing feels much more straight ahead and much more like I'm going to explain to you everything that is happening right now. And in in words and phrases that you are going to understand and not be confused at all about what Hurst is trying to do or why Charlie Utter is fighting back against it or why Seth and Alma feel the way that they do. It all feels very blunt, and I, I don't really like that. I think that that ties into the the lack of quotability and also just, like, it, it feels different from the show. Yeah. I also thought, like, <clears throat> I couldn't decide if Hurst straight up just murdering Charlie was something that he would do that blatantly because of 
how much power he now had or if it was unbelievable because it was so blatant. You know what I mean? I thought the most, like there unbe- was, well, the more unbelievable thing to me was why doesn't he keep bidding on the land? Right. Yeah. He's got more yeah. money than Alma Garrett does, right? Like he could just, why, why, I didn't understand that at all, why he gave up because he, he's not the kind of character that would go like, well, this isn't financially responsible of me at this point to just, to, to spend this much money on this parcel of land. He, he wants to own that town. And that land is how he does it that way, you know? And yeah. so I, 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 and I agree with you. I think that I'll throw it back to you by just saying the larger point is that, or one of the other things that I think about the writing in the movie in general is that a, a very long time has passed since the series, and I'm torn about whether or not I think enough characters have appropriately changed their outlook and concerns at this time. Yeah. You know what I mean? <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, I... um, Like the Hearst, like... The 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 um the grudge that they hold against Hurst, I feel should have mellowed a bit by now. And Hurst being the it same, was, it was kind of a it was kind of a defining moment of that town. Well, I, I think <laughs> when, that it, the when Hearst, he killed Ellsworth and all the other shit that went down, that was kind of doesn't get much more. I, that's that's tough to forget. I think I know what you're saying, but so so much time has passed is the problem. But and, and like Hurst is well, I mean, Hurst is kind of the same. Ten years. It's been, I'm, but it's like they're in an entirely new world to me, and and some characters have kind of moved on, and some of them can't. Can't like I, I, I guess my larger point is that I feel that the Hurst and Al and Seth stuff is almost too much of a focus of the movie in some ways. Like I, 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 th- I feel that Hurst is almost too prominent in this for some reason. Like he he doesn't need to be here the entire time. I would have much preferred the. The 13 years later, this is what the town is now like at this point. And the Hearst thing feels like too much of a movie thing going on. Like when when Bullock drags the guy out and he's got the noose around his neck, he's like, tell me who did this. And then he gets shot. It's like this is this is kind of weird. I don't really like this in the Deadwood thing. And it's all because the Hearst plot feels like it has to be big and it has to be pushing things in the direction. And I, I personally don't really like it. I wish it had been a little bit more reserved and low key. Yeah. I think having Hearst show up is in the way that he does is, is, is really just a, a product of, of what this is. Yep. Um, Cause I think I, I, I don't, I, I think doing something, I think when you got two hours or an hour and a half or however long this is, you yeah, one fifty. It's actually kind of 150. long. Yeah, one fifty. You need something that's going to get things moving right away. Yeah, and I think Hearst is is really the, the the one thing from the show that is going to be instantly, um, people will instantly be able to 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 like to hook trigger onto. you, yeah, like into yeah. that memory, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I like I the thing the thing is though it's like I would say like I don't even know if he needed to kill anybody like just almost the fact of him just being there yes I I feel like would have been enough of a hornet's nest stir to like work up that that uh, uh, tension that the show was so good at um, like I, I mean obviously killing Charlie is. A, a huge inciting incident for the entire episode. But, yeah, Dane Kelly like, had words in the Bible about he. He thought it was bullshit that his character got killed in the movie. Yeah. Just speak by saying like, and I kind of get his point. Like, I don't mean to interrupt, but I'll, I'll let you respond to 
to me, you brought you 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 had a very good point there, which is that the movie's trying to sort of kick you in from the end of the series into the movie, right? Yeah. And I think that the problem for me there is that it feels too much like there's too strong of a connection between the two. Like enough time has passed where the first thing being hearsed out of everyone's mouths in this movie feels odd to me. That like nothing has really ended since the end of the series. And I think that the like Hearst killing Charlie to me feels weird for the character of Hearst because Hearst has ascended to such a powerful level that I don't feel he needs to do stuff like this. Exactly. Anymore. Yeah. That's, that's the thing is I, 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 well, but it's, it's this weird thing with Hearst though. Right. Because like, is that is nature, I guess. Is yeah. The he's, that's kind of what everybody's dealing with in this, in the movie is, you know, Al, Al is the one who hasn't moved on and it's killing him, but everyone else who who uh, projects as having moved on ultimately has to make the decision for themselves whether or not they really have or right. if they are just the person they, they were 20 years ago right. or 15 years ago. <clears throat> so I, I think it can go I, – I, I appreciate it from that standpoint, but I do, I do see an, another version where Hearst is – less um actively just murdering people and more like I, where the 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 big action of the sh of the movie happens at the end at the wedding you know like right. like the show like the show did yeah <laughs> um, as soon as i we saw that wedding i was like oh my god someone's gonna fucking die i don't know if i can deal with this these placer acres that you own mr utter captured my attention Scouts you sent previous made that clear. People whose judgment I respect, I say this property is market value at $3,500. Seems I'm the lone holdout to the path of progress. By way of abbreviating our back and forth and maybe generating some goodwill, I'd go. 500 above offer you 4000 even cash money my father taught his boy a beat Helen to him might maybe be more accurate how if uh, early enough on you credited the settlements was common Bought anchors, reasonable, developed them sensible, hung on to them until the market come right. Of a day you might could wake up and find you made yourself a respectable investment. Forward thinking was your father then. And now here's his boy to confirm his papa's prediction. Contrarywise, men might could come to a certain special feeling, partial, say, to a, a piece of ground, a river, bend into the forest like so. I think that Hearst, you know, because this the series started with Deadwood is this illegal encampment, right, on non-U.S. soil, right? So the show is about America coming and sort of absorbing Deadwood into itself. Hearst becoming a senator 
to me is the end of that where Hearst no longer has to do the sort of like aggressive, violent, everything I want is my, like I have to do things through violence and, and the threats and everything like that. Hearst has become the thing that at the start of the series, everyone was trying to get away from, right? Like he, he represents the state literally at this point. Right. And I just feel that that's what's so confusing about me for me about him walking away from buying the auction is that he should have, in my opinion, beaten the town down with his incredible amount of resources that he has at right. that point and yeah. taken what he wanted. And at that point, it fits into the series themes of like in this thing of becoming civilized, you sometimes give up the stuff and you lose some of the battles to other people. I just... I feel like the the Charlie Hurst thing, or the Charlie Utter thing was just done as like a way to emotionally get the audience invested and it felt a little cheap to kill him that way. And it, not in a way that I, I feel that Hurst should now be managing his responsibilities and acting as a character. Yeah, I, I do. I don't find it unbelievable though mm-hmm. because, sure. um, you know, Hurst is he is the same guy right yep like yep. he's not the the only difference is he's not interested in gold anymore he's interested in progress yes and yeah, yeah. he's <laughs> going to right yeah and he's going to do whatever he has to to steamroll anyone who's in front of him in the name of progress yeah <clears throat> at least that's the way he, he would say it yeah and so um charlie presenting a roadblock for that uh i think it is not unreasonable that that would fire up the the old George Hurst yep. um, engines. And I mean, it's not like this stuff didn't happen, you know, like this shit happens all the time. I mean, the, the um, it's not exactly the same thing, but like killers of the flower moon is all about stealing land through murdering people <laughs> yes, <laughs> under, yeah. under the safety of the state. So it's like, it's, it's not like this stuff didn't happen. Um, but, but yeah, I think it's, I just don't. I, yeah, I don't know if he would have if he should have been so outwardly obvious about it. Because like you know, in the in the show, there's always like a little bit of a workaround as to whether or not Hurst was involved. And in this, it's like no, it was fucking Hurst. Everybody knows it was Hurst. Yeah, I, I guess it comes, he, he has the, he loudly explains his murderous plot while Eb is looking through the wall. <laughs> the, right. The, the, yeah. The and even like when they bring Charlie in and he comes out and and, and Bullock is like, you want to explain this and he's like well i have no idea what happened here like the entire town is like come on guy we know everybody knows what happened here i guess i and maybe i'm wrong maybe i'm misremembering hearst i i always felt like the hearst of the tv show was a man and a character who well while he's prone to violence uses violence when other methods fail for him. Like he tried to come in and he tried to, you know, sort of uh, finagle deals and get things done. Alma insults him in the show and that's what pisses him off so much about it. Here, again, I just come down to, I don't understand why he didn't keep bidding. Like that's the thing. It's like he, he seemed like he was more primed for murder than I actually think that he is as a character, I guess is my problem. I think, one of the one of the things you run into problems you run into though is because <clears throat> I, I agree to an extent where he probably should have done more in the movie to hurt them in different ways. Yeah, because it's basically he kills 
Charlie, and that's essentially it. I mean, obviously that's a huge deal, but yeah, you know they 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 outbid him for the land, and um, <clears throat> they he gets uh, arrested uh, at the very end. He get, yeah, he gets arrested. Um, Bullock ends up stopping the attempt to kill Fields, and they they bring frontier justice to the guys that killed Charlie. Yeah, so it's really only the one thing. Whereas I think you know, there's another version where he is like you're saying. Um, just steamrolling them in a way that like over and over again, like he outbids them for the thing. He does this, he yeah. does this. And it's all less than blood. It's, he's not shedding blood necessarily while he's yep. doing it, but it's still painful. Yes. But you run into a problem then when you get to the end, when the entire town beats the shit out of him, it feels a little bit like, you know, this is a Who little cares? bit too convenient yeah. for an ending, <laughs> yeah. you know, for yeah. the whole town just beats up the bed. It's like, um, this is actually, I think, the second time recently I've mentioned this on a podcast. But do you remember the uh, the old SNL bit of uh, it's, it was the alternate ending to "It's a Wonderful Life"? Right. Yes. Yeah. I think. Where, I think uh, I talk, Yeah, you can explain it. Yeah. Was it? Was it? Was it on the? Was we talking about it on this show? On the Star Trek show, I think. On the Star Trek show. <clears throat> yeah, it's a quote unquote alternate ending to "It's a Wonderful Life," where uh, Phil Hartman comes in as as the as the brother who lost all the money and says, "I remember what happened to the money." It was uh, it was uh, Mr. Potter. Mr. Potter took the money, and then George Bailey's like, "Well, let's let's go get him." And yeah. the whole town goes down to Potter's office <laughs> and take turns down. beating the shit out of Mr. <laughs> Potter, which is kind of what happens at the end of this movie. Yeah. And so I think if you like really, really kept laying it on thick, and then the then this movie ends with the town rising up and kicking the shit out of him, it would feel it, it wouldn't feel as like an like a Deadwood ending, you know? Like yeah. that's yeah. It I find the ending to be satisfying in like a base cathartic way. Sure. But yeah, I don't know if that would be the way that it would go in, in, on Deadwood traditionally. Yeah, the ending of this is actually my favorite part of the movie, really. Yeah. Like the last, uh, probably from the wedding scene or the, the after mm-hmm. party scene onward. Um, my favorite part of the movie is when Hearst goes into the new version of his... Uh, you know, it is. It's the color that 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 drives me. Speech, mm-hmm. and he has to stop in the middle because EB's just dancing around because he got a piss. <laughs> that was actually that felt to me the milt, most Miltian dialogue yeah. sequence between those two. Yeah, yeah. It's a. I think that it. Um, it's an odd contrast to me, right? Because I I think that what I really like is I like the way that they have adjusted the town and the interior decoration and like everything's a little bit more fancy 10 years down the line. Yeah. And like the, I really like, they have like those stamped tin ceilings on the, on the yeah, ceilings and love stuff. Those. And I like things like that. I just sort of, and this is purely subjective. I don't think it's a problem because I, I understand that there's also an approach where not all characters need to be different, but I feel like too many of the characters are still, just to come back to this point, because I want to be clear about it, too many of the characters to me are having the same conversation they had 13 years ago, really. Sure. Like, and I I know it's hard to make a movie come in fresh and have something else to say about it, but I really, that really st- stuck out to me this time is that, like, you know, like Trixie's rage at Hearst is still, like, it just bubbles up this moment, you know, and it's like, nothing has really changed. And I understand they went through this event, this traumatic event and everything, but I, I feel like not enough of the characters are for as how, for someone like Bullock, right. Who now seems a little bit more 
old and mature. He's still the core Bullock character, but he's a little bit more in control of himself at this point in his life. For that character, he has changed, but his drives of the moment have not changed, if that makes sense, like from the end of the series. So I, I thought that that was just kind of a strange um, like juxtaposition of things because I, I like the way that the characters were acting. I just feel that because these characters are now different people, I almost felt that they would have different reactions to the end of the fourth se- uh, third season that we're picking up from. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like things should be just just different i guess and i i I think that's reflected in al that's why i call this like a c plus like there there are moments i see it like i see it in al which is that al is now old enough where he is no longer the primary driver of the town bullock is clearly like bullock makes the decisions in town at this point and i like stuff like that it's just i don't know i i feel like it's not across the board uniformly great in some ways even though if i like the al stuff and and not as crazy about the bullock stuff in other ways yeah yeah i i know I, I do think it, I don't know if suffers is the word I'd use because I think it, your mileage varies with this stuff, but there is there is more, um, this is a reunion movie type stuff than I expected there to be mm. in that I think kind of what you're saying where like, while I expected there to be some sort of moment between Bullock and Alma I was surprised at how much they did with it. Yeah, aren't they over it at this point? That, yeah, that's kind of my like, concern. Yeah. They were kind of over it in the show. Right, exactly. That's what I and mean. So, yeah. and, and I mean, you know, it, clearly they had a, a connection or whatever, but like it's been 13 years and he's got four kids now. And yes. You just who knows the what the fuck scene. she's been doing. You, need, but, you, you know? need them making eyes when they see each other for the first time and that's it. You don't need this... Yeah, she's trying like to like the, grab his dick at the dance or whatever's going on. This. I just, like I, I, yeah, I, I, I think like a, a great, you know, you have the scene where they're kind of cordial to each other, and then you have like the moment at the auction where they kind of like lock eyes right. and you know they realize that they, they, they they've worked to, worked together for the ta- you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, a symbolic union by working yeah. together. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't, you know, I don't know if they. It, again, I'm sure there's plenty of people who are big. Alma and Bullock shippers. <laughs> they, if there's anybody, can you of, be a shipper of, if they actually get together in the show? I thought that. Uh, was... I mean, I guess if they're not currently together, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess you can fantasize about the future. Yeah, that's yeah. that's true. Yeah, I, I don't want to sound overly negative. It's just that I, I think that the, the downsides to this kind of are what separates it from the show for me. And I think that I think your point about Alma and Bullock is a really good example of that because I. You know, we've talked about in the series how the themes kind of repeats and characters make the same actions. It's really just to me that the, this passage of time seems to be implying that things should be different now at this yeah. point. Because I, that's why I like the Swearingen line is because the Swearingen characterization is clearly Milt trying to come to terms with the end of his own life, which is imminent at this point because right, of his diagnosis. Yeah. And you see that in Swearingen, and I feel that the the change in Swearingen could have spread a little bit further into the town, I think, and had a, a few more characters had different things to say at that point. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, I think also the, the, the movie is kind of about how, how these people and this town all affected each other. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so I, I can see why essentially what they're doing is the, the high school reunion kind of thing where, 
everybody's got different lives, but you put them back in that a certain place, it evokes a certain time, which yep. which causes them to uh, regress. Isn't the right word, but you know what I mean. Yeah, you kind of flip back into your old uh, patterns. And yeah, like if that. only if only for a for a moment or whatever. And so you've, um, which I think is I think is nice because it allows uh, character closure mm-hmm. for the show for the for the show through the movie, where you've got Bullock who is presented at the start of the movie as as someone who's a little bit more mellowed out. <clears throat> but when it's time for the class reunion, his shithead uh, high school days, yeah. Bullock shows up, and he gets really violent, and he almost beats the shit out of uh, Van Gogh there. Yes, yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> from Doctor Who. Yeah. Um, and and it takes lets Hurst be beaten by the mob for a little bit. Yeah, yeah, and and it takes the it takes reliving those things in order for him to move past them. Finally, you know that's when he yeah he sees goes his family. Says, I home. like the, I like the shot of he sees Martha, and that's what snaps him back into things yeah. have changed at this point. And I and I think that's kind of how it is with everybody, where it's they they're kind of they're kind of all being brought back to that moment as as a test to see whether or not they can move past it. Yeah. Um, the, the, the unfortunately the only one that was well the one that I, I stood out to me as like yeah we probably didn't need any of this even though as much as I like seeing these characters was Joni and 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 uh, Jane yeah yeah <clears throat> where it's like I, this I is like, fun I like this stuff and I loved the ending for Jane yeah because you know she finally in that moment gets to do something brave and saves Bullock's life um but you know I don't know. I liked the first Joni scene. I liked Joni yeah. as running this brothel and she's kind of pissed off and like cynical about stuff. I thought that that, yeah. I actually found their happy ending to be unfitting because I found that ending to be much more suitable for Joni, really. Like I, I could see that character never quite coming to grips with what makes her happy and just descending into this sort of like, sure. she becomes basically size shadow in a lot of ways, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I could see. I think it probably makes more sense to have them. Wind, well, I don't even know if it makes sense to have them wind up together. But mm-hmm. if you wanted to have them wind up together, I think you could do it in a in a more <clears throat> not conditional, but Jane is is making the com- they're making the commitment together, regardless of what it might mean. Instead of happily ever ever, let's go to France. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like it's Joni's in kind of a shitty place and she's, you know, yeah. and that's, she's like, this is, this is who I am. And Jane's like, well, I am who I am. Yep. We either do this together or we do it apart and we die lonely, you know? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Which is not exactly a great like wedding speech or anything, but no. it, <laughs> it probably fits those characters. You having so lived in recollection, Marshall. It is my considerable happiness to see you again. No less a happiness, Mrs. Ellsworth, than to see you for me. As a dream might come alive to draw a breath. You know, the reason I like the ending so much is that um, I think the ending in this movie has time to do what I wanted the end of the third season to do, which is to to focus on the the like the happiness and the bonds for a little bit. Yeah, and I I think that that's why I like it because it does the thing that I don't think that the end of the third season managed to do because it ran out of time. Basically, is to show us how 
no matter what happens to the town, there's still the bonds of community are still the thing that hold everything else together. Like no matter what happens around them, it's still the character interactions and the relationships and uh, stuff like that that works really well. Like I think the ending shot of this is kind of perfect, which is just that Al and Trixie holding hands on the bed yeah. as he's seemingly imminently about to die. I I like that stuff. I I I wanted Deadwood to end on this the, on that kind of energy, which I think is the best thing that the movie does, which it gives it a chance to do that, yeah. and that's why I like the ending so much. Uh, the one thing I don't like about the possibly the worst ending is. Boy, they did Harry dirty, who's just the fucking turncoat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's going to murder Bullock. He sells out uh, the general to those to those guys and everything like that. Uh, Harry has yeah. just fallen from his, his heights of being a fireman, obviously. Hey, it's been... Uh... Oh, I didn't even realize who that was. Yeah, that's Harry Manning, the, the sheriff. The guy yeah. who wants to be the fire guy? Yeah, who worked at, with Tom Nuttall at the, uh, oh, the number 10. Oh, man. He... He needs to. He went down a dark path. He <laughs> looks. He looks very healthy. <laughs> he looks, he I did not recognize him. <laughs> full of. Vigor. Did not recognize him. Con Stapleton. Uh, yeah, that's does really. The, that's sad. It is, isn't it? That's. Why not, uh, that's depressing. They shouldn't have done that. Yeah. Con he was such like a. He was such a was um kind of an easygoing goofball. Yeah, like an affable kind of guy. Yeah, it's weird that they would. Yeah, that sucks. I didn't apparently, even realize that. I wish had, you hadn't told me that. Well, apparently, yeah, running the fire engine squad has run up his debts or something because he just needs money no matter what the cost from, from George Hurst. Honestly, I assumed he was the guy driving the fire engine. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that that character who I didn't realize was this other character. I know. Yeah, we get the, <clears throat> the, the, the fire truck, which is basically a big bucket of water that they pull around while the firemen run behind it. Modern technology, baby. That That's a scene... Not crazy about that's a that's a very Deadwood movie thing where Bullock sets the fire the telephone poles on fire. Yeah, <laughs> I wasn't crazy about that. That that's something I'm not not particularly in, interested in seeing. Uh, so yeah. I guess did you have any other thoughts about the plot in general, or we can save that to the end? I um, wanted to ask you about character appearances and stuff sure. like that. But um, you know, any, any characters? Obviously, Cy Tolliver is missing because Powers Booth had passed away. Did you did you miss anybody besides Cy or anything like that? I I I was shocked that Cy barely got a mention. Yeah, yeah. Like he just his name just slipped out from Joni once, and that was the only time he's even brought up. Yeah, <clears throat> she plasters her name over the Bella Union sign. It says like Joni yeah. Stubbs is Bella Union or something. I was I was surprised by that. I did miss him, but at the same time, I don't know where he would have fit in. No, he has, he has no role at this point. He's honestly, Al is kind of both of those characters put together in this movie mm-hmm. to a certain extent, you know? Um, but just uh, to touch the, on the plot, or may, I don't know, maybe it's characters as well, but <clears throat> I thought, I, I found that this movie um, had a uh, a tough time that's not the way to put it. I thought the thing with with Hurst coming after Trixie at the beginning was going to be a much bigger deal. Like I thought that was going to be the thing, right? That was going to be the inciting incident for everything else. And then they killed Charlie. So, <laughs> and then the stuff with Trixie takes a backseat for about f- f- sixty five minutes. And well, that's the <laughs> comes up again at the end. That's the other. Sorry, I, I don't mean to keep going back, but like. Why does Hearst 13 years later all of a sudden put the dots together? You know, like 
Yeah. Th- that's just, it's just like he, Trixie's yelling at him and he has like the flashback to her flashing her tits at him before she shot. And, and that's like he, him putting it together. That That's another kind of moment that I was like, I, I don't think they needed to connect this quite this way, but I, I don't know. I think, I think it would have been more interesting if he didn't go after her. Like if he acknowledged it, but he's like, yeah, he's over above it. that, yeah. you know, because I, because I, I, I don't think, I guess, depending on how you want to read this, because he does come in and say, I was fooled, but you know, whether yep. or not you want to actually believe him. Um, <clears throat> I still maintain that the more interesting reading of the end of the show is that he kind of knows that, that the woman they killed isn't the right woman. Right. But it's just like the fact that someone paid for it is enough for him. Yeah. And he wants um, to get out of there at that point. He wants to leave right. the town. Yeah. And so like him coming back and specifically going after her, I was like, I don't know. This He feels kind of a, like this feels like in, inconsequential to him. Yes. It should be, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I was kind of struck by, you know, on a character level, I think that the, the movie focuses on the female characters quite prominently. I, I was does, surprised yeah. by how much Trixie and um, Soulstar is not a female character, but like the Trixie and Saul relationship probably gets as much play in this as it does in the entire series, which is oh, absolutely. weird to yeah. me. And, you know, it ends with, um, I'm a little bit surprised, it's fitting, but, you know, it's a little surprising that Trixie and Al are the final two on screen with each other and stuff like that. So I, I was, um, you know, some characters I don't feel, some characters I think work better than others. Like, I don't think the doc is really necessary in this movie. He's just kind of there because he's, yeah. he needs to make an appearance. I, I was happy to see him though. Cause he got really short shrift in the third season and yes. he's not yeah. in the finale at all. I don't think. No, he's not. Uh, Wu is in this one kind of inconsequentially, even though I really do like the idea that his son speaks English and translates for him. I yes. like that, uh, that was concept. But, you know, other characters have like sort of minor things like Dan and uh, Johnny are barely important in this one. And they're just kind of hanging out. They don't have too much to do. They honestly probably aged the best out of the whole cast. Dan looked good. Dan and Johnny both yeah, look pretty good. Yeah, John, Johnny looks uh, very much like his character in the room, but they, they have aged well. It's It struck me. I... The movie, you know, I, I wouldn't take bets because the cast is so large, but I was surprised by the characters that chose to become prominent or that Milch chose to be yeah. prominent, like Bullock, Trixie, Saul, and Hearst, I think, are the surprises to me in, in the context of being a movie about this. Yeah. I think what's nice about it, though, is, you know, I, while, while I, I, I know what you're saying about how you're surprised people haven't moved on, I just think that there is something nice there is something fitting about this unifying traumatic memory coming back to town. Yep. Um, Hearst, which is then triggering all these things and everybody else, even for Johnny, like when do you think the last time Johnny thought about Jen was until Hearst comes to town and then he sees that other girl, that other girl, the most Milchian plot line of the whole (laughs) movie (laughs) where it's like, Oh, What's this girl going to do? And the answer is nothing. <laughs> nothing. Yeah, she, she is a weird... Uh, it, it's not even that you... You know, normally in a movie, her character would be the character that, that every other character explains how the town works to. Yeah. And it's not really yeah. necessary here. So I'm, I'm confused why she's there at all. She was kind of like the Kristen Bell character yeah. over again. Yeah. With just no um, plot behind her. Just She's yeah. just there. Yeah. You know, I guess she's there for ultimately for 
for Trixie to impart her wisdom on at the end. Yeah, it shows um, Al. Al also refuses a blowjob too, right? Because he's just he's a different character at this point, and so it's showing that kind of difference. Um, and she's the new character who is going to provide that to him, but he he really is at a, a character at this point who really just wants to talk and hang out and is okay with that. Also, I would. I'd be shocked if his dick works in that. Yeah, I know his livers failed. Condition. There's yeah. a lot of blood, blood circulation problems going on. God bless that girl, though. She was ready to go. Yeah, well, she's new. That's she's, <laughs> that's um, that's a that was a tall order. It I is. Think. Yeah, he's, this is not. This is not. Given how frequently he's prime. probably pissing himself. <laughs> yeah. Any other characters? I'm uh, just. I mean, there's no. Um, there's no Silas Adams, unfortunately. I would have liked to have seen him. Uh, there's no Hawkeye, which was devastating to you, <laughs> I'm sure. Of course. I was I was waiting for him to come swooping in. I uh, We do get Garrett Dillahunt as drunk number two. I was going to bring up Garrett Dillahunt. Yeah, yeah when, it, when I saw him the first time, I was like, that's got to be him. And then they give him a second shot where you could definitely see that it's him, <laughs> which uh, <clears throat> that was very nice. It was nice to see him. His line uh, is funny, too. He's got such he, a... He's, he's what's like, his line? His line is like... Why don't you die out on the streets, George Hurst, like my dad? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's got such a unique looking face that yeah. it's really hard to hide him, yeah. even behind a giant beard. Yeah. They stuck him prominently um, in the camera. They gave they him did. his. They, gave they him did. His they moment. definitely did. And I think, uh, I don't know if we talked about this on uh, on the podcast last time, but the, uh, the Anthrax and Lemmy from Motorhead are somewhere in this movie. I don't know if you found them or if you saw them. Oh, it's the movie? I thought they were in the finale. I might be wrong. Maybe I am wrong. I, I, I think, think you're right. I think it's the finale. Yeah, I, I think, think Lemmy finale. was dead yeah. by this point. That makes that makes more sense. And the pictures I've seen of them are older, so it must have been the finale. Yeah. So ignore me. It's just Garrett Dillahunt in this one. Um, it was nice to see Tom Nuttall just yep. keeping it keep in the pocket there over at the bar. I thought that um, the the difference between the bars was nicely shot in this. Like yeah. Tom Nuttall's bar is much dingier looking than yeah. the gem is, and I think that it hasn't they shot changed. It well. Yeah, all the other bars have kind of changed. Right. Like uh, yeah. the gem has a a theater in the back of it. Yes, no yeah. Langriche, no Langriche in this. <laughs> oh, movie. that's right. Yeah, no Langriche. Too busy uh, running his empire with his, his media shithead his kids. Media. <laughs> the kids should have made an appearance as uh, guest stars in this one. Yeah, no Langriche. Um, Aunt Lou is in it, which is a nice. Touch. I was, I was gonna say, did she come back with Hearst, or has she just been there the whole time? I think she's been there the whole. What, what was the last time we saw her in Deadwood? Because she, I think she leaves with Hearst at the end of the season, doesn't she? Oh, uh, does she? I don't remember seeing her at the very end. I, after Odell is killed, she runs off. I don't know if we see her. Oh, maybe after that's that. what it, I don't. I don't remember. For some reason, I thought she left with Hearst. I was surprised to see her there. Passed when I took what Sai gave me. I'd pray I wouldn't wake up. You gutless cunt, don't you speak that way to me again. Nor neither am I saying I feel that way now is my point. You give me a goddamn kiss and say I promise I won't fold no matter how sad I get. Or just don't say a word at all then. Just go ahead and give me a kiss and don't say a word. Yeah, Richardson had died. I think the actor playing Richardson oh, had really? died. I that's, think that's what point. I assumed. Yeah, yeah. and um, Farnham has a brief moment in the sun here. He's got a couple good small bits when he uses the telephone. That was excellent. Yes, that was when he's yelling into the telephone. Um, 
anyone else? Uh, 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 Merrick gets a decent scene. <laughs> yeah, Merrick. Merrick gets to be on camera, but not open his mouth, just so everybody <laughs> forgets that they gave Jeffrey Jones an acting job. <laughs> I like that. I like that when George Hurst is arrested, his camera is perfectly positioned to take a picture of Hurst being arrested, yes. <laughs> which, is, which is good. Um, there's no Blazanov, unfortunately. No, I was. Um, Another one of those, like, this is the reunion movie type things. Mm-hmm. I thought having the general there was a little convenient. Yes. Like, I don't is, really yeah. know if we needed him back. That could have been anybody. Yes. Um, or that him and, I guess, I mean, him and Charlie being uh, close enough to sort of hang out with each other, I guess, is the implication. That's there. true. Yeah. yeah. And I guess that scene, the scene he has with Bullock might not have been as impactful if it was just some random guy although maybe it would be i don't know yeah that was that was a good scene i thought the whether you want to you're talking about with the general's lying in bed after yeah. his, his beating yeah. yeah and and he cries and uh, bullock what you crying for <laughs> bullock cries about charlie um that was good too yeah i as we're approaching the hour i guess we can start moving into a, a summary thing it's just i I do like this one. You sound a little bit more positive than it on me. I just really, honestly, the biggest letdown to me is that I, I found myself looking at my watch in a way that I never did on the series while watching really? this. Yeah, yeah, I just it it a little bit, especially the first hour of this movie. I think it kind of drags a little bit, and when you don't have the great old series Deadwood series dialogue propelling it. I feel like it it doesn't quite hold my interest in the same way. I do like the second half better when they when the Hearst storyline kind of wraps up and they move into the uh, the town at large and stuff. And I I appreciate what they tried to do. It's just that I, I think this is an example of something that I'm totally okay with it. It's fine that it exists. I wouldn't say don't watch it, but it's a case that proves my larger idea about like you know in the Discord people and Kyle had posted the person on reddit who's like i heard this show doesn't have an ending should i still watch it and if the movie had not exist like this movie adds no more closure to the series than the end i don't know about that well it 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 adds no more in a way that means anything to me i guess so it's like it it's not additive and it it proves in my opinion the idea that like you don't necessarily need closure for something to be good. It, it, right. It's an example of something just bringing closure and I'm not sure I actually needed it in the first place. Yeah. I think, I think what's lacking for you is that there's, um, I think the movie is bringing closure to the characters, but yeah. uh, I think what's missing from it for you is that it's not bringing any closure to the philosophy. Yeah. That's, that's a fair point. Yeah. Yeah. And I, so I think if that's what you're looking for, then yeah, you might come away a bit more, cold from this yeah that's that's what i is, think that's why i liked al i, I wish more characters yeah. had these sort of weird inversion al philosophy where like things have changed now how what does that mean for all these characters and i i think that's a good point so thank you for pointing that out sure yeah the uh, the only other character i wanted to bring up was um patrick swayze's brother is in this is he who is he is the he guy of- he's the other assassin <laughs> who looks exactly like patrick swayze oh wow. <laughs> The not the uh, I thought you were calling him Van Gogh. Is that someone? No, else that's it? the Scottish guy. Oh, that's the Scottish guy. I was the thinking other Van Gogh guy. because he has the. Uh, he does look like Swayze, doesn't he? Yeah, it? yeah. It's his brother. It's his younger brother, Don. Don <laughs> Swayze, <laughs> which sounds like a joke, but is a hundred percent the truth. <laughs> 
It must be his younger brother then, I guess. Right? Yeah, yeah, he's younger, yeah. Yeah, younger brother. Interesting. Well, they... I wanted I want a roadhouse fight sequence in the gym with with Don Swayze yeah. the, taking the mantle down. I like that Irish guy. I like that Irish assassin. And um yes. What kind of contract does Hearst have where this guy doesn't go fuck you I'm out of here and just leave without trying to break into the jail? Oh yeah. And- 100%. <laughs> Like it, that that scene that was a scene where I was like I don't know about this scene like this is I'll give you an extra fifty bucks if you break into a jail and murder this other guy. Yeah. It's like okay, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll agree if, to that. You know and what? Then just get out yeah. of here. Let's let's say that I will do that, and then you never see me again. <laughs> yeah, that was weird. So I, I didn't mean to interrupt. Uh, final thoughts about the movie, I guess, at this point for you. Um, yeah, I liked it. I I I uh, I think. From a character standpoint, I do think it is is a nice wrap up for the show. Um, I think I don't think if the show was given the time to end itself, I don't think it would end like this. I think that's the big difference. Back in like oh seven, you mean like yeah, you have a good step back into a time machine. Yeah, I think this is a bit more of a of a of a victory lap if you want to use that terminology 100 i would agree with that yeah which you know uh you get that mileage chance. may vary yeah you get yeah that. i like i i didn't find i i found myself surprisingly affected by seeing the characters again so yeah. much older and seeing them interact with each other again and and i was interested in in how they were going to respond to each other like sorry to interrupt but yeah like a, sure. a big positive for me is i um in the way that I really like Swearingen's change, like it's not all negative. There's some good mixed in here. It, I really love the the Seth and Martha relationship in the movie. Yeah. I think it's great. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, I really like that. Um, but like, I'm never not going to enjoy Gerald McRaney as George Hurst. Yeah, yeah. You know, as long as it's a a B plus or a, or a B level George Hurst, I'm gonna have a good time watching that. Right. Yep. <clears throat> And, and, uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it's great to see everybody who gave such great performances in the show come back and, and, uh, do it one more time. Yeah. Um, but I do, I totally understand what you're saying. And I do agree that there is a, there is a, um, edge to the philosophy of the show that is missing from the movie. Definitely. And yeah. I think that's a hundred percent Milch. Yeah. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. I think that 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 is just the really all my negatives can kind of be funneled down into. I think that David Milch's mind was starting to slip at this point, yeah. or clearly it was, and it it resulted in something that is not quite what I was expecting or kind of would hope for from a um, something that I would want to consider the end of it. Uh, I was actually surprised how much flashing back that they did. I was just about to ask you, what did you think of the flashbacks yeah. to the show? Well, I I I was surprised by it. Until I kind of was locking into the idea of what they were doing, where it was sort of like everybody had moved on, but then all of a sudden they're ripped back to that that uh, intense era. Yep. Um, so it didn't really bother me that much. But at first, when they started doing it, I was like, "Oh, this is this doesn't feel like this show to do that." But yeah, correct me fine. if I'm wrong. What I appreciate about it is that they're all non-dialogue flashbacks. Yes, I think. Yeah, yeah. it's all just images. Yeah, yeah. so that because like when when Hearst comes rolling into town, and uh, I think it's Trixie 
who sees the flashback of Ellsworth being yes, brought back his with his head blown open. Yeah. Like, I thought that was pretty effective. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, shit, yeah, this guy just came back into town and all this stuff is probably coming back. Like, I I think that stuff worked pretty well as much as I was surprised that they were doing that. Yeah, yeah. The good book, Marshall. Says... The Lord chooses amongst his witnesses and be thought least likely. Is that so? You might, should ought to know. Before what happened, Mr. Utter seemed to me a different man. Like a weight had come off his shoulders. What else they say about the Lord's witnesses? What else? Their defects notwithstanding, they testify to his wondrous glory. Singing he was at the end, Marshall. By walking the valley. Joyfully here and behold. I will go I'll go with my most unnecessary scene. I wish sorry, I was just gonna say, I wish they had a moment where where Hearst looked at Dan and they flash back to Dan killing captain captain turner (laughs) drowning him in the fucking mud or whatever he did yeah pulls his eye out and hits him with a pull his eye out yeah (laughs) yeah i my most unnecessary scene was um uh the brief flashback where they prove that charlie utter got shot in the head and he's dying in front of us i was that was kind of weird i didn't i didn't know what that what the point of that was it we knew he was dead but i guess they had to show us or something yeah, I, I understood the one from the general's point of view, but when they then they did one from the point of view of the murderer. Oh, you know what I think it was? I think it was just um, because they were talking to Hearst, and Hearst says, "Was were there any witnesses?" And he's yeah. like, "Nope." And then they cut back to the they're definitely being a witness. Yeah. So yeah, I guess they have to. They just have to. I I I don't know, I don't if, know if I need necessary. to see Charlie yeah. suffering. Like he's still clearly alive, as his brain is right. coming out of his head. It felt unnecessary, but who knows. Cool. Did you know that um, Bonnie and Clyde? Yeah. Stay with stay with me here, guys. <clears throat> uh, Clyde's brother, I think it was the other guy who was in the group. Mm-hmm. At a certain point in their uh, running from the law, he got shot in the head, and his like skull blew open, but yep. he didn't die. Yep. And he just like lived for the next month or so <laughs> with his brain exposed. Yeah. Like he just had a big hole in his head and his with no skull, just his brain, and just had to like cover it with a cloth. Yeah, who's that? Um, you know the famous story of he's kind of like a famous, uh, like sort of example of brain uh, science. Oh, the guy, the guy who got the 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 railroad spike through. Yeah, the head? his name is like Phineas yeah. Gage or something like that. That's yeah, ironic. who was apparently like was he? I think he was an asshole who became not an asshole, 
right? Was that the way right. it worked? I think, or, or possibly the other way around. The other way I can't around. remember, but yeah, right. I, I don't remember, but yeah. Yeah, apparently he was working on the railroads back then and there was an explosion or something and like a railroad spike just went through his head and it it damaged a very specific part of his brain that led to like a complete personality change after his yeah. uh, recovery. When he recovered, which is impressive enough, but he was a different person after it happened. I saw something on Twitter recently, which might be 100% made up. I don't know anymore, mm-hmm. but... It's called um, X. <clears throat> yeah, <laughs> no, it's not. X.com. Um uh, about a, a guy from uh, the Civil War who got a bullet in the forehead, mm-hmm. but managed to survive. And there was a picture of him as an old man, and he just had like an <laughs> inch deep impression in the middle of his forehead. And like for years afterwards, pieces of metal <laughs> would fall out of the hole. <laughs> just hold a magnet to it. Yeah, he would have made a human, great Cardassian. Human body. Yeah, human body is both. Shockingly durable and shockingly fragile. Yeah, I know. It's just it's it's the match point thing. It's like you could go either one way or just a centimeter this way, and you're dead. Then that's yeah. the difference between this guy. That guy gets a spike through the brain. Yep. And he comes out. Not only does he survive, but he comes out better for it. <laughs> Bob Bob Saget trips and whacks his head on a table, and he's dead. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I bet you didn't see that comparison. Liam, Liam Neeson's wife fell over standing on the bunny slope. At a, at a ski resort. Is that what happened? Is yeah. that how she died? Yeah. She was just on oh a bunny slope standing around. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. It was tragic, but it's like, you, it's just yeah. stupid little accidents. will just take you out. Hug your loved ones, everyone. That's right. Even if it's 13 years later and everything's the same or different. So that's it. We covered Deadwood the movie, which came out in 2019. That's it. Clay, thanks very yes. much for watching Deadwood with me. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm glad that I... Uh, uh, um, could finally make my way through the show it's it's one of those shows that's just i think it's it's a really rewarding show to watch and um i think has a lot of rewatchability built yeah. into it yeah um and like definitely is something that I, w- I will put on in the future uh as i'm as i'm working or something because it's just letting that show you you can focus on the show really intently if you want to but you can also just let it wash over you and i think it works equally both ways yeah yeah, no, that's a good point. It's been, it's been fun. I do find it very rewatchable. It remains my favorite, my personal favorite show of all time. Um, I think that the see the series itself is quite excellent, and um, it's been fun rewatching it and thinking about it and talking about it. it. Took a year, but we got it done, and now the movie's over as well. So that's it for Deadwood. Thanks everybody for listening to the show. This was something pretty. You can support the show at patreon.com slash Lipensky This one's ended, but we got a whole bunch of other shows going on, too. We have a Star Trek show. Clay and Amanda have a Rotten Horror Picture show where they talk about uh, horror films from the Rotten, horror, Rotten Tomatoes 200 Greatest Horror List, which is changing all the time. So mm-hmm. that's probably still ongoing. He's got Badass, which is the animated Batman show with Sean Murphy. A whole bunch of stuff. You can go to thepenskyfile.com. Thepenskyfile.com and all the podcasts are there. You can absorb all of them that way. I guess that's it, Clay. We're done with Deadwood, and we got another podcast under our belts. We're done forever Mm. with something pretty. So thanks again, everybody. Clay, do you have anything you want to say before we go? Are you have you settled on what you want to do on Patreon you for next year? You wanted to do a music thing? Yeah, I'm going to do a music. You, you and Amanda are doing like a theme of the Halloween movies for right. the 12 months, and we do a Patreon once a month. I'm probably going to do something music related. Cool. Yeah. So, and is, those are the other the other the other thing the Patreon has is that we always do like one movie a month, or we're going to get back to that now that Deadwood's over. But yeah, it'll be. 
a music thing for me. You will have our movie, uh, and then you and Amanda will have your Halloween series for all the Halloween movies. I was I was just trying to think if there was an equivalent show, like an HBO show, that I would want to do. It's twelve <clears> episodes po- long. Somehow. Yeah, a limited podcast about. And the f- the only one that popped into my head was Band of Brothers, but I don't even know what we could talk about without needing to do a lot of research. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of the wire problem, right? Like I couldn't cover the wire on a podcast because I'd be like, you'd hear me just unfolding newspapers in the background as I'm yeah. talking on the podcast. And I'm like, well, back then. Episode episode six of Band of Brothers was great. It was crazy when Joe Toy got his leg blown off. <laughs> I don't really know what else to say. It's just documenting the war. <laughs> it's all on the screen, people. It's all on the screen. Great show, though. Great show. Yeah, maybe we'll find something else to do. Uh We'll figure something else out in the future, but no immediate plans, but everyone can just follow along on the YouTube channel and all that stuff if they, they want to. Cool. We're done. Thanks, everybody, for listening. This was the Something Pretty Podcast. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for supporting the show. Thank you for checking out all the other stuff, and we will see you somewhere down the line in maybe 13 years or not. And the, when, when, when we're looking at each other, Clay, and we tell God to stay in heaven, and then the scene blocks out on our life. That was great. Great final line. (laughs) Thanks, everybody. Thank you to David Milch. Thank you to all the producers, writers, and actors of this great show. And we will see you guys next time. Our Father, which art in heaven. Let him fucking stay there.